Finally. <laughs> hey guys, did you miss us? We missed you. So, so much. Um, it's been a crazy summer. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, we did our ghost hunt at Rolling Hills. Yes, we this did. This week, last week, a week ago. Um, it was really awesome. It's going to take some time to go through all the stuff that we got. But um, it was a really incredible time. That'll be another bonus episode for you guys. Um, and we also closed the Go Name Yourself contest. Yes, we did. So congratulations, Destiny, the winner of the Go Name Yourself contest by popular vote. We had to, it was a nail biter. I, I, know. I know you're not like really on the socials very much, but I mean, we had, it looked like Paranormies was going to take it. Mm-hmm. And then there was like a last minute upset. And Ghost Potters tied it, and we had to do, um, like, a last chance sudden death lightning round for the two of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so congratulations, Liz, on runner-up. I mean, all the entries were really incredible. Like, it's amazing to see what everybody came up with. They were all (laughs) great. Um, But, but yeah, Paranormies took it. So you, if you are listening to us, you are now here... By henceforth, officially known as a paranormy. I'm not sure. Destiny, you're going to have to let us know how to spell the singular. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, 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 a paranormy. She submitted paranormies plural. So it's yeah. like, well, is it an IE then? Or is it going to be a Y on the end? Or a paranormy? <laughs> well, no, because that would be the plural of a US. Oh, that's yeah. That's right. So I yeah, or like antennae, antenna. I English is weird, man. I don't do the English sciences. We all know this, well established. Um, yeah, so that that's our our big news from our hiatus. So now we're back at it with episode thirty one of my favorite haunting. I'm Ames. I'm Mel, and we are here to give you all the wonderful historical ghost knowledge of places. Sure, that have ghosts. Exactly. I don't do the words. I don't. Anyway, so um, jump right into it. Why not? Sure. Cool. I'll go first. Sure. Awesome. I think you went first with for the bonus episode. You did. Sure. Because I ended. Because <laughs> it was an even number and I ended. Okay. With my long. Oh, no, but you and. No, well, it that doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. So, um, since we investigated a, 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 an asylum last week, a former asylum, um, I was on a roll <laughs> and decided to stick with the theme. So I did the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Cool. Uh, this place is a behemoth. I want to yeah. go. Uh, it's in West Virginia. So, okay. So this monster, they started construction. Um, they laid the first blocks in 1858. And in total, it took 23 years to complete construction. Um, the Civil War kind of got in the way of that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so it's um, in Weston, West Virginia. And then, of course, it, it predates the Civil War. So when they first started building it, it was still just Virginia. Mm-hmm. It did preemptively open in, partially in 1864 for patients. So it was like part of it was complete. Mm, okay. um, and then the rest of it, they were still working on for the next however many years. Uh, I can't, no, I'm not doing math right now. Um, 
So a fun note. So I started watching um, both Ghost Adventures and Ghost Hunters did episodes there, but they both did them for like live Halloween specials. Oh. <laughs> and yeah, so you know, they're like really long and it's like you're watching it live. So it's not edited down yeah. to the 42 minute highlights. So I really didn't watch the whole thing. Um, but I did watch the opening of Ghost Adventures. And they stated construction started in 1851 and took 13 years to complete. Every other source that I have found, including the official Trans-Allegheny website, mm-hmm. <laughs> states it started in 1858 and took 23 years. So, um, <laughs> oh, fun fact, though. The Ghost Adventures, the live episode there, was hosted by Dean Haglund. <laughs> And if you, for you guys who don't know, we're, we're, I mean, we've mentioned this before, but we're both huge X-Files fans. And Dean Haglund played one of the, uh, the lone gunmen. They're like this group of paranoid conspiracy theory. Uh, oh, shit. What's the word? When you like expose something. Conspiracy theory exposers. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> um, watchdogs. Watchdog yeah. group. Yeah, so he was, and then they had like their own little spinoffs here. But anyway, so that was like a fun thing. Yeah. And then they, I mean, he was introducing the guys, and I wasn't looking at the TV; I was typing, mm-hmm. and but I was listening, and I hear like he's like, "All right, so we'll see you guys in there," and they're like, "Yeah, okay, thanks, da da da, blah, whatever," and they start to break off, and one of the guy goes, "Hey, thanks, man, love you on X Files." <laughs> <laughs> And it was just like, it was really cute, but it was like, I don't know which ghost adventurer it was mm-hmm. who said it, but it was, it was really funny because he sounded like such a fanboy. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I probably sound that dumb when I try to talk to people too, but <laughs> it was kind of cute. And I was like, oh, didn't we all love him on X-Files? Yeah, oh, Ling Ling. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. Um, so Trans-Allegheny was originally designed to house 250 patients. Um, by 1950, it was housing, uh, numbers vary between over 2,400 to over 2,600. Wow. Yeah. So well, well past capacity. Um, another cool thing of note though, is, um, it holds the record for largest hand cut stone masonry building in North America. And it's believed to be the second largest in the world, only after the Kremlin in Moscow. Wow. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's like hand-cut sandstone. Hmm. So it was designed by a renowned architect of the time, Richard Andrews. So it was modeled after the Kirkbride plan, which was the the belief to do treatment um, morally. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just like, why do you even have to say that? But it was moral treatment. So sunshine and fresh air mm. instead of just locking you in a room and forgetting about you. Okay. Um, but also like sunshine, sunshine and fresh air. Like, of course, that cured everything back then, right? Cured TB, yeah. cured herpes, you know, cured everything. It's a joke. But I'm... Um, uh, so in 1913, it was renamed the Weston State Hospital. Um, in 1994, it was I think it was in the 70s. I, I was a psych student. I should know this law, but it's been I've been out of school for so long, and I'm not a practicing psychologist, so you know I don't remember shit. 
but I think it was this sometime in the seventies that law passed that basically was like, you can't be mandated to, a a psych center. Mm. Like your family couldn't just be like, I don't know. There's something wrong with them. I'm not taking care of them. Here you go. Oh yeah. So that's one of the contributors to why there was suddenly such a sudden spike in homelessness because mm. these people can't really take care of themselves. So, but they're yeah. out on the street. So, um, but that law passed and then just various changes in, um, psychiatric care and, uh, procedures, um, along with declining conditions of the building, of course, uh, the hospital was shut down in 1994. It reopened in the two thousands and, um, was given its original name of trans Allegheny lunatic asylum back. Okay. So I took most of the history from, um, their official website that it's, um, trans hyphen Allegheny lunatic asylum.com. So, um, as far as their civil war involvement, it gets a little, I mean, I guess it's not overly crazy, but it's kind of a, it's a story. So on June 30th, 1861, Colonel Erastus Bernard Tyler led the, yeah, Ernie, oh no, there's no end, whatever. So Colonel Tyler led the, um, I did say Ernastus, right? It's, no, maybe it, maybe I typoed. Union Colonel Tyler mm-hmm. led the 7th Ohio Infantry into Weston under the guise of gathering and arresting Confederate sympathizers. In reality, they had one mission, seize all the gold that belonged to the town which sat in the Western branch of the exchange bank. Um, so at the time, the gold that was sitting there, it was like around $30,000. Um, in today's money, mm-hmm. it's $11 billion. No, it's about <laughs> a half a million dollars. Wow. Um, it was meant for the wages and expenses to build the asylum. Like it was all supposed to go to the asylum because oh. this was this asylum that they were building was like this big giant, mm-hmm. like yeah. it was their, the town's like, heartbeat, uh, or was going to be. Um, so they left only enough to cover what was marked down in the, for the account as outstanding debt. Mm-hmm. So I think they took something like 27,000 of it. Wow. And then the rest of it had been marked as like outstanding debt. So they left that, like you can pay your bills <laughs> and, uh, we're going to take everything else. Um, wow. cause I mean, cause they were looking to cripple the Confederacy. Oh, yeah. So they didn't want any of that money to go to That's to right. their troops, um, but it kind of fucked over everybody making money from the asylum, all those workers. Uh, on top of that, the asylum was not yet complete, but the there was like one wing of the first floor was done and the mm-hmm. foundation was done. So Union troops took it over and it became Fort Tyler. Mm. Uh, the southern wing, that was what was complete. Um, that was the barracks for the troops. And then the main foundation, which was also complete, they used as a stable for their horses. Yeah, I know. It's, you know. I mean, they hadn't seized any airports yet. So so throughout the war, the fort changed hands several times. So the Confederacy came in and took it over. Mm-hmm. And then the Union took it back. Um in 1864, the Union took control back over it again. They went and confiscated more money from the bank. I think it was like another $5,000. Um, 
And they also stripped the asylum of all the food and clothing and like the linens, like they took everything that they could use. Mm-hmm. Like all the stuff that was supposed to be for the future patients that weren't there yet. Um, but it was intended yeah. for them. Uh, because they opened up in 1864, so it had to have been like right after that. Uh, however, unlike other towns, Weston did not go through a post-war depression. And instead, the asylum opened and the town thrived. It was the primary economic resource for the town for 130 years. And when it shut down in 1994, no other jobs were made available to take the place. Uh And like everybody in that town worked for the asylum. Um, And it's now 2019 and the town still hasn't recovered from that blow. Wow. And they're still struggling from that. Um, Now we get to the fun stuff. That's (laughs) your history. Well, this is still history, but. Now we get to the fun history of murder. Uh, There were a lot of murders here. This is a violent place. They had, um, they had a lot of violent patients and they clearly, they overcrowded really quickly. Mm -hmm. It opened in 1864. It was meant to house 250 patients and it only took a few years to get them up over 700. Um, And then of course, by the, what did I say? The thirties? The 50s, they were at like 24 to 2600 in a building meant to house 250. And I mean, you cram the beds in there, like, yeah, you can make people fit, but mm-hmm. it completely derails the intention of bringing happiness and relaxation and like not that that stuff solely will help Yeah, with a lot of the afflictions going on, but I mean, it, you're not making it better. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, a lot of violent patients, not enough staff to oversee everybody. It was overcrowded. So people on top of people, you know, no one's keeping track of anything and it's, it quickly turns into just like, just go in that room and be, and do your thing. So, um, there's a few well-known murders that like you find everywhere that are written about everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's, oh, I think I want to save Dean for last. Dean's pretty bloody. Um, there's one patient that was stabbed 17 times by another patient. It, I couldn't find, for that one, I couldn't find really specifics if he even died or not. Um, 17 stab wounds sounds like a lot, but it depends on where they are and how deep they are. Yeah. And I mean, a 50 cent could be shot 50 times, shot 50 times Mm -hmm. with a gun and he could live. I mean, you really could live with 17 stab wounds Um, across the hall from the room that that happened in though uh, two other patients committed suicide by hanging themselves from a curtain rod in the room across the hall together Uh, that was not specified you know (laughs) just picturing two people hanging yeah maybe it was a suicide pact Um, it wasn't specified it just said two patients in that room okay uh it, it, I mean, I saw it mentioned different times, but it was just like two patients died in that room by suicide. There was, so from Teresa's haunted history of the try hyphen state dot blogspot.com. Thank you, Teresa, for your blog, uh, that I stumbled across on Google. Um, 
but she actually, she has a lot of detailed blog posts. Um, you guys should go give her blog a read. It's really cool. Um, but she was fooling around on, um, it's probably the same newspaper archive site that we used. Mm -hmm. Um, but she said she was fooling around on one of it and she was figuring out how to use it. And, um, she found an article about an inmate on inmate murder that happened in 1877. And the writer of the article was asserting that the hospital was trying to cover up the murder. Mm. Uh, and she, if you go to her blog, she, um, she transcribed the whole article. You can read it. Uh, I'm not going to read it from her blog, but it happened in 1877 and they don't use names. The article only used initials because they're patients. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, confidentiality and I mean, HIPAA wasn't a thing back then. Right. But mm -hmm. I mean, pre HIPAA, I don't know. Uh, but the details were, um, inmate JM, took a bed slat and calmly beat inmate GT on the head until his head turned to jelly. Oh. No staff was aware or noticed what was happening until GT was already dead. And that was a quote was like, we didn't notice until his head was already turned to jelly was, Ew. was what the staff said. Um, That's bad. And then, so, the hospital administration responded to the article with a, um, like a certificate of, uh, I don't know, some kind of official statement that everybody signed. Mm -hmm. And um, they claimed that since JM had not previously shown any inclination toward violence, that nobody could possibly be to blame. AKA, it's not our fault we didn't know the guy was that crazy. <laughs> like, okay. And I mean, like on the one hand, like, yeah, okay, he doesn't... He hadn't shown signs of violence. And the fact that, like, he did it calmly, like, he was clearly a sociopath. He's probably a serial killer. But still, like, why was your staff not paying attention? Like, nobody noticed this guy getting beat to death with yeah. a bed slat. Come on. Somebody wasn't doing their job then. And there's uh, another famous story. And there, so there's mentions of one of the spirits, Nurse Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if this is the same one, because I didn't see a name on this, but um, there's another well-known story of a nurse going missing. Mm -hmm. She doesn't show up for work. They realize she's missing. They go looking for her. They call the police. They look everywhere. They do this big whole search, mm -hmm. except they didn't search the building. Oh my gosh. Like they searched like the town. They searched the grounds. <laughs> they searched the area. They didn't search the building. So apparently she was murdered. And her body was tossed down an unused staircase. Nobody found her for eight days. Just like a random staircase. Mm -hmm. That was never used. And after eight days, they found her body at the bottom. Yeah. Um, and of course, they never found out who did it. I mean, could have been anybody. Literally could have been anybody in that building. So um, now to Dean. Dean's is gruesome. Although beating somebody in the head until it turns to jelly, that's pretty gruesome too. Yeah. Um, this is pretty bad though. So Dean, I don't know if his name was actually Dean or if this is a name they got from like an EVP or a okay. ghost box. Um, but so Dean is in his room with his two roommates and it sounds like it's nighttime because they pulled him out of bed. They stripped his bed of the sheets, mm -hmm. tied them up and tried to hang him from the ceiling with them. 
So the sheets didn't hold and they broke. Mm -hmm. So these two guys were determined though to kill him for whatever reason. There's like, there's no motive or any kind of like reason speculated. Uh, so they couldn't kill him by hanging him. So they picked up, you know, those, those old school hospital beds from this era Mm -hmm. with the, they're just the metal frame with the legs. Yeah. So they pick up the bed frame and put his head under one of the legs and then got on the bed and started jumping on it like kids until the post went straight through his head. Oh, Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so those are the murders that we know about. Okay. Um, I mean, I feel like with that one, if they were, if they were trying to cover it up, which I feel like that's something that any kind of administration like that would do if there's any fear of like accusing of negligence. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, those are just the ones that we know about. Like, imagine the ones that they could just easily just write off. Um, like, oh, yeah, it was just an accident. Oh, they just died. Mm-hmm. Oh, another fun thing to to note that I didn't write about for some reason in my notes, but I remember it. This was one of the first places that lobotomies were done oh, and developed lovely. as we know them today with the ice pick. Um, so the lobotomy was actually developed in Europe by doctor. I don't remember your name, but, um, <laughs> Freeman learned it from him and brought it here. So he actually, um, he mainly practiced or started out practicing at George Washington university, but, um, he got this spot at, uh, trans Allegheny, um, in the 40s and 50s, he became known as the father of the lobotomy. And uh, so he took what he learned from the dude in Europe who originally uh, like invented the practice. Um, and he kind of changed it up a little bit. Oh, I found it. Igas Moniz. Moniz? Um, from Portugal. So... What he initially started out doing was called a leucotomy, which took small corings of the frontal robes. And so what Freeman turned, Freeman turned it into the lobotomy where you put the ice pick and you separate the, the, is it the frontal lobe from the rest of the brain the, with a white tissue, whatever. Um, I don't know all those brain science terms. Uh, So he, so Freeman came and he was practicing at George Washington. Then he had the spot at Trans Allegheny. Uh, He lobotomized thousands and thousands of patients, including kids. I didn't know this until I was um, researching this, but um, one of his patients was a sister of John F. Kennedy. Um, and she was born with, um, learning disabilities, but, uh, I mean, she wasn't like severely, like she could take care of herself and stuff. Um, but then she went and got the lobotomy and she's went, cause I guess there were some lobotomies that were actually successful. Some guy, uh, one guy wrote a book about it. Hmm. 
Like he had a lobotomy done and like, I mean, like he was never the same, but like he still functions, Yeah. but she was never like she, and she was in her twenties when they did this and she lived to be in her eighties. Wow. So six years of her life was just her basically a vegetable. Like she couldn't do anything for herself. Mm-hmm. This is, she had the capacity of like a two year old. Wow. Um, so he did thousands of these at trans Allegheny, um, until he lost his license in 1960-something. It was somewhere in the 60s. Um, a patient died on his table. And then he lost his license to practice. Um, but that's another thing that uh, trans is known for. Oh, another fun thing trans is known for, which I didn't even know this, was Charles Manson spent time here. Yeah. Um, Interesting. He, yeah, his parents were arrested, um, for what do they do? They robbed somebody with a ketchup bottle. Oh my gosh. Yes. With, with, a, I mean, I'm sure it was like the, in the yeah. pocket, like I have a gun, Yeah, but, or they crashed over somebody's head. But, um, yeah, in 1939, um, oh, I'm sorry, not his parents, his mother and a male accomplice, <laughs> they were, so they were arrested. Um, so he was sent to West Virginia to live with his aunt and uncle. But at some point he was, it doesn't say why, but at some point he was sent there as a kid for some time to live. Hmm. Uh, so that's a thing. <laughs> so now we have hauntings. Okay. So experiences. So from the wash Washingtonian, <laughs> it's like Washington Ian, Washington Ian, Washington Ian. Uh, writer Marissa Cascino spent the night here on a, a public hunt. Um, and I guess she saw like some shadows that she couldn't explain. Um, but the coolest thing that she, that happened to her, that she wrote about was, um, her and two other, uh, visitors, I guess they're not really investigators. Like they were just like regular people, but they were like on the ghost hunt. Um, so they went to this room where this guy, Jim James hangs out allegedly. So they did the flashlight thing where you take a mag light and you set it down and you like loosen the, the, you know, the rotating ones and you loosen the end of it and you set it down and you either ask yes or no questions so they can turn it on or off for yes or no. Or, um, what they did was they said, you know, if you're here with us, turn the light on. Mm -hmm. And she said like a couple of beats went by and then it turned on and like nobody was near it. They were like a few feet away from it, whatever. And she inspected, it wasn't her light. It was someone else's, but like she inspected Mm -hmm. it and she's like, it's just regular little mag light. Like, um, and so I guess a few of these spirits, they like incentive to do things with cigarettes. Hmm. So you offer a cigarette as a bribe to do things. And then, so, um, she said, I'll give you a, I'll give, yeah, I'll give you a cigarette if you turn it off. And then it turned off. She Hmm. left a cigarette for him. Um, I was going to say, did she follow through? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the, when they were, whoever the tour guide was taking them around meant like told them that Mm -hmm. and they had like loose cigarettes to, um, so, and they tried it in other rooms. It didn't happen again. Hmm. It only happened in that room. Um, I found this other really cool group. Um, the Ghost Research Society, 
So their website is really cool. They're very detailed. They have a lot of information and they're on ghostresearch.org. Um, they investigated here in 2015 and they had a night. So I'm going to go through, I don't know. I wrote this up kind of weird. I'll go through the areas. Well, okay. So they broke it down with the areas and the claims. I'm not going to go through all of their evidence. I do want to read out some of the cool um, ghost box hits that they got Mm -hmm. because some of them are like, what? No way. Um, But I will say go to their website to read through all their evidence because, oh man, they they had a night there. It (laughs) sounds amazing. Okay. So we've got the Civil War Wing, which is the oldest part of the hospital. It's the first floor. It was the first part to open. It was, um, that's the area that was taken over by the Union troops and then the Confederate and the Union, they went mm-hmm. back and forth. Um, also on the first floor, so we have Ruth. So Ruth was known as being violent towards men, and she often would throw things at them. Hmm. Uh, the first floor also houses the cafeteria and the kitchen. So claims on the first floor... In the hallway, claims of being pushed up against the wall. I don't know if that's Ruth or if that's just somebody, like, just pushing to be a bully. Um, You'll also hear whistling, and um, Ruth has been seen as an apparition, as a Mm full-bodied apparition. Um, The second floor has Ward 2. It's, like, a general purpose, like, common rooms and stuff. And then the men's men's ward. And... here, there's a lot of shadow figures near the... Oh, it has the room where the guy was stabbed 17 times. Okay. There's a lot of shadow figures down there. Lots of EVPs saying, get out. Hmm. Like, I guess that's a really common EVP to get, like, in that... Um, in Ward 2 is just get out. No one wants you in their room. No, yeah, get out of here. Leave us alone. It's also very common to hear your own name being called yeah. by a voice that doesn't match anybody with you. It's like one of the spirits will call your name. I don't like that one. Uh, that was one of the things these guys got. That they were like, yep, heard my name and it wasn't anybody I was with. Uh, on the third floor, the third floor had geriatrics. It had the nurses' quarters. And it also had an auditorium that was later used as a chapel for just a little while. Um, and then the opposite hallway from that, that's where the violent females were housed. Uh, there were also isolation rooms and that's where the patients, that's where they, they like chain you to the floor and forget about you. Mm. And then at the end of that hallway is Dean's room with the bed frame, Dean oh, with the bed frame. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, so down the, so down in the nurse's quarters, doors closed by themselves. Um, one of the tour guides claims to have seen, uh, a full body apparition of a nurse. And he said it was just like a quick flash mm-hmm. but it like freaked him out because there's no nurses there there's also shadow figures in the geriatrics hallway along with a lot of unexplained noises um down the violent female hallway you hear disembodied screams footsteps and then more of like hearing your own name called mm-hmm. by someone who's not there uh, dean understandably haunts his own room <laughs> uh 
And this is where uh, also Nurse Elizabeth, mm-hmm. and that's the nurse that I'm wondering, is that the nurse that they found at the bottom of the stairs? There's I couldn't find anything that connected the two, and I didn't see a name on the nurse. Uh-huh. Um, so, hmm. um, But I also did sort through a lot of information. So. Yeah, sounds like it. And then the hallway, the next hallway after that is where Big Jim hangs out. <laughs> And he's Jim. been seen a bunch, and he gives out a lot of EVPs. And then on the fourth floor, so the fourth floor was gutted by a fire in 1935. Um, and it housed Ward R and Lily's room. So Lily, there's a couple theories about Lily. Either she was born to a patient mm-hmm. and lived there her whole life and, and died young, they think around like nine, uh, or she was sent there very young and died. Okay. So she likes to communicate. Uh, she does EVPs. Um, she also likes to like interact with toys, like rolling balls and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, over here, um, another group, it sounded like while, uh, this group was investigating, another group was also there that he said, and it sounded like this happened at the same time that they were there. Um, the other group was taking photos and they got um, one of a mysterious, bl- well, they wrote a black blog. I think they <laughs> meant a black fog. Um, I don't know what else it could have been. I don't blob. think it was a blog. Huh? Blob. Blob. Oh, it could be blob. A black blob. Um, something black in the photo that shouldn't have been there. Um, and then they have the ghost box and they asked, um, what, you know, what is this black Mm -hmm. whatever shape. Um, and the ghost box responded with demon. Oh, um, so the ghost boxes, those are those things that spit out the random words. Yeah. So when words match up with a question you ask, (laughs) it's, you know, yeah. Um, something they refer to as a creeper commonly crawls along the floor, crawls or slinks. They said, which is, you know, kind of like a shadowy black yeah. shape that, yeah, crawls and slinks. Um, and then also ghosts, Jesse and Andrew, which I didn't really see any other information about them, but um, they seem to like to hang out there. And then the sound, oh, I read this so wrong, you guys, I'm tired. I, I read it way too quickly. I read it as sounds of bagpipes and I was like, wait a minute. I don't remember reading about that. That's awesome. But it's not bagpipes. It's the sounds of banging pipes. (laughs) Those are very different. (laughs) Depending on who's playing the bagpipes. I mean, I played bagpipes once. They're fun. They're hard, aren't they? Well, yeah. Well, so... They're fun because you blow the bag up and then you can breathe while you're still playing because you, you blow the bag up with your air and then you squeeze the bag to play the, but so you can keep playing Mm -hmm. while you're breathing as opposed to like wind instruments, which is what I actually played all through school, um, where you have to keep blowing into it to, and, and playing the notes and, you know, I just want to breathe, man. I just want <laughs> yeah. Some air. Um, the, so they're EVPs and they're not all EVPs. Some, they were recording the, um, they were using the ovule, ob, ovule, ob, ob, oh God, how do you say this? I always want to say ovulus, but it's like 
ovalus, ovalus. I can't, I don't know, but that thing. So some of the responses they got were really amazing. Um, they were doing an ovalus session in Dean's room. They asked what happened in this room. The response was horrible. Uh, they were in Big Jim's room. They asked, Big Jim, where are you standing at tonight? And the response was, here. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> um, they were near the an isolation room on the first floor when the ovulus um unprovoked just says out mm-hmm. um and this one was my favorite so they were doing an ovulus on the fourth floor near Jim's room and somebody oh Okay, there's two that go hand in hand. Hold on. Okay. Uh, So their team member, Bob, had just sat down uh, in a chair that um, supposedly belongs to Jim, who doesn't like people sitting in his chair. Remember the story I told when I did the Shanley Hotel Mm -hmm. about me sitting in John's chair? Yeah. And he doesn't like when people sit in his chair. And then I got up and walked out because nothing happened. And I was like, well, screw this. I'm bored. And as soon as I stepped outside, I felt a hand on my head, like Mm -hmm. a man's big, meaty, heavy hand on my head. I felt like five fingers. Like, I was like, okay, I get it. You're like, well, I thought it was my friend. I thought it was Jason messing with me. And, um, and it wasn't Jason. I was like, all right, I won't sit in your chair again. Um, so this reminded me of that. So so Bob sits down in the chair. Jim doesn't like that, right? So <laughs> they didn't even ask it a question. They just turned the ovulus on and it immediately says, you get right up. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then, and then this is why I got confused for a second because they're out of order because I had to scroll back up. Uh, and then they asked, somebody asked, do you want Bob to get up? And the ovulus responds with up, <laughs> um, get out of my chair. Uh, <laughs> so there's, that's only a couple of them that you guys, they got, and they all like, you can click on them and listen to them. There is a ton and they do like that. Each of their members wrote up like descriptions of stuff that happened. Um, like one of the balls in Lily's room moved, like it rolled, you know, they go through, they're very detailed and they go through like temperatures and k2 hits which is your emf so i mean there's a ton of info out there on this place and like i could go for hours and hours and hours but Mm -hmm. no one wants to hear me talk for hours and hours and hours so i'm gonna cut it off there so if you guys want more i mean i like you know you can look up those episodes of ghost adventures and ghost hunters i eh. um but there's a ton of websites and accounts of people being there and mm-hmm. what's happened, like what they've experienced. So I would definitely recommend if you want to read some creepy stuff because you don't want to sleep tonight, um, go, to, <laughs> uh, uh, go to ghostresearch.org slash investigations slash trans2015.html. Or you can just, like I found them by searching, I found them referenced 
um, on an, another website. So I just typed in Ghost Research Society Trans Allegheny, mm-hmm. and it came up. So uh, highly recommended to go read that because they have, like, I barely scratched the surface on what they had. So, um, yeah, so that's Trans Allegheny. Pretty cool. Yeah, when are we going? Add it to the list. I don't know. Before or after Waverly Hills? Because I feel like we should hit the two of them in one trip. Uh, (laughs) Okay, I guess it's my turn. It's your turn. So I did the McBride House in Fort Gibson, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, where I don't know that song. Where the wind comes blowing through the something. See, I knew it was something about wind, but... Trees? I don't know. Where the wind comes blowing through your skirts. (laughs) I guess that could happen. Like Marilyn Monroe, you know? You know, Uh, like hold them down. Yeah. So I got most of my information, actually, all of my information, because everywhere I looked online referenced this book. (laughs) So... I got all my information from a book that the um, one of the owners wrote about their her family's experience at this house. It's called Ghosts of the McBride House uh, by Cecilia Back. So uh, she published it in uh, 2009 and after living in this house for 25 years. Okay, so some of the history for this place. It was... The original building on this site was the steward's house for the fort itself of Fort Gibson. And um, it was torn down by the fort shortly before Dr. George McBride bought the property. And him and his wife, Mary, built the house in 1895. And uh, uh, Dr. McBride liked to host extravagant parties at this house, um, you know, the whole nine yards, champagne and caviar dreams, I guess. I don't know. Caviar is disgusting. I don't care how much money I ever have. I will never like it. I'm not going to pretend to like it. Yeah. I will drink sounds gross. anyone under the table with champagne, though. I accept that challenge. They had one adopted daughter who lived in the house until her death. And um, eight different families have lived there between the McBrides and the Backs. Um, But I couldn't find a whole lot of information on the intervening families. Like when you search the McBride house, this book is the only, basically the only thing that comes up. So in 1982, the Beck family bought the house. Uh, The mom, Cecilia, um, mostly called Cindy. Dad, Chris, son, Frosten, born about 1981, and when they moved into the house, not the daughter, but she was born in the house, Devereux, born in 1990-ish. And one weird note about the children, Frosten calls his mom mother from as soon as he could call her something. Because that's not the fucking creepiest thing you can hear from a child. Exactly. But. Hello, mother. Cindy calls her own mother, mama. What's for dinner, mother? And her. Mama. her <laughs> I'm sorry. Her, her, her daughter, 
Devereaux calls her mama, calls Cindy mama. Yeah. So like, I don't, I don't, I don't get what, where that came from, from her son. Because he's clearly possessed by McBride who likes to eat caviar and probably speak properly. And hello, mother. Do you have the champagne? <laughs> I'm Mr. McBride. I eat caviar. It's fish eggs. <laughs> I'm sorry. I made that whole thing up. None of that's probably true. It's speculation. So the backs try to keep um, most of the house as close to the time period it was built as possible. So like TVs, radios, and things like that are like limited to where they are in the house, like kitchen, bedroom, like not in the parlor and dining room and foyer or whatever they called. Mm-hmm. I tried to do that at my house, but it like half worked. <laughs> so they no longer own the house and it has fallen into disrepair. No. Yeah. It looks so sad now. I looked at it on um, Google Maps Street View. <gasps> Like the whole front porch is gone no. and like it had a really big porch and stuff and it was it was a pretty house. I love those gorgeous historical buildings like so much. Like the 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 ones you can tell like when they were built they were really beautiful and they're mm-hmm. really old. And when they start falling apart like that, it just makes me so so sad. Well, they have a reason why. Because it's a demonic property and nobody will live there and take care of it. Well, I don't know. They lived there for 25 years. So, I mean, they did what they could, but they couldn't keep contractors working on their property. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) They tried. Oh, no. Oh, boy. And that leads us into... The good stuff. Yeah. (gasps) Into... (gasps) The woods? No. Into the woods. No, but not what I was referring to. Say like onto the onto the hauntings. As seen on our new bumper stickers. Yes. Which is on the back of my car. Which will maybe be available for purchase soon, I hope, Grant. Because I know you asked (laughs) forever ago. Okay, so shortly after the Back family moved in, odd things started happening. It started with phantom footsteps, then doors closing and opening, whispering and a child crying while their son was napping. So they would hear the child. They'd go check on the son. The son is sound asleep. People walking up and down the main staircase, cold, swift drafts, no mention of windows open or closed, And the smell of heavy cigar smoke or floral perfume. Um, Sometimes the feeling of someone following, especially Cindy, around the house while she did her daily chores. So they moved in like June or July-ish time frame. And when Cindy would check on Frostin while he was taking his naps, she'd find him covered up with a heavy blanket that was meant for winter time and um that blanket was kept in a dresser drawer no at first i was like oh that's sweet oh somebody there's a caregiver there somebody no but then i opened the drawer and took the blanket out 
going to close the drawer and then put the blanket on the baby. No, 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 that's not yeah, okay. Yeah, because that blanket had not been put in the crib to that point. Like, yeah. it was, I got, I'm assuming it was like a baby shower gift or something, and he was born in the summer, so never yeah. used. And uh, objects would disappear, especially while Cindy was cooking, like stirring a pot with a spoon. She set the spoon down. She turns back around to grab the spoon. The spoon is gone. See, when I've complained about things like that happening to me, people tell me I'm crazy. Like, my mother specifically, did not grow legs and walk away. Find it. (laughs) I'm sorry. And it was nowhere to be found. Typical mom saying. I have never said that. Thank you. Thank you. Mother of the year. (laughs) They could hear sounds in the kitchen, well, in the upstairs bathroom, which is right above the kitchen. The cupboard doors slamming, chairs sliding across the floor, general ruckus, and no one's down there. And one time the family returned home from shopping and Frosten was asleep and they went to put him in his crib. So Cindy was carrying him up to the stairs and she asked um, Chris to go like move the blankets out of the way so I can put the baby down. And then all the books from his room were off his shelves and stacked in piles around the room. No, my God. I just got chills up my spine. Um, So about 10 years after they moved in, for more than a week, anyone that would walk in the front door would hear screaming like someone being murdered. As soon as they got to the second floor landing on the staircase, it would stop. Was somebody murdered on the second floor staircase? No, there's a story... I don't know how true it is that one night there was an accident um, close to, like, out on the road, close to the McBride house. I can't remember exactly what what the circumstances were. But the victim of the accident uh, injured his leg. They brought him to Dr. McBride, who was in the middle of a party. So he had been drinking. Oh, no. They took him upstairs. We know where this is going. Dr. McBride examined him, determined his leg needed to be amputated. No. It got worse. It got so much worse. But I mean, it is like 1818, right? So that stuff happened and it was totally Uh, fine. You mean like 1918? Sure. Is there a Um, so then when, when Dr. McBride was prepared to do the amputation, he amputated the wrong leg. No, it got even worse. I don't mean to laugh at this poor guy's pain, but it's so ridiculous. Like it's like so perfectly set up for disaster. Yes, and, um, you know, back in that time, the anesthesia of the day was like ether or, you know, something like that. (laughs) It didn't work so well on this guy. No. So, you know. Oh, no. So did he lose both legs? He started, Dr. McBride started the procedure. The second time? No. Oh, still the first time. We're still on the first leg. Okay. And, um, so the guy was like in agonizing pain. Uh-huh. So he was like screaming bloody murder. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. On so, the second floor uh, landing? No, in the a second floor bedroom upstairs. Oh, okay. okay. 
So when Dr. McBride was done, yeah, it didn't go so well for the victim of the accident because he ended he up die? bleeding to death. Yeah. Oh. Oh, it sucks. I don't know if it's from the amputated leg or the other leg that needed to be amputated or both. Or but... the blood loss because he probably didn't clamp anything right because he was drunk. Yeah. So, uh... Yikes. That's the story behind the screaming. Death number one. So, apparently... They, um, their ghosts are frequent enough that they kind of know them a little. Oh, were they all named? No. Oh. Because Cindy said, um, if we didn't know their name, we weren't going to name them. We just call them kind of what they are. Mm -hmm. And so I have the ghosts in order of appearance. (laughs) In order of appearance. Because they kind of slowly came one at a time. So the first ghost cast in order of appearance. Yeah, exactly. Is the little girl. No. So the first time that she was seen, Cindy was reading to Frosten and he was about one or two ish age. She doesn't really like give specifics on the ages of the kids, which would be really helpful on some of this stuff. Because, you know, some of the stuff is like, how old is that kid? What is he saying? Maybe she's not a good, like, I'm a bad judge of age. I either go way too high or way too low when I'm guessing kids' ages. (laughs) Be like, I don't know, six? And they're like, no, he's two. Like, (laughs) I don't. So maybe she just didn't want to, like, guess wrong. Yeah, but it's her own kid. Like... Oh, for her kid. I thought yeah. you meant the ghost. No, no, no. For her <laughs> own kids. Like, like if she could tell me, like, yeah, I was reading to him when he was like... Oh, yeah. Frostbite was like a year. 19 months old or something. Oh, Jesus, whatever. See, and then I was, just, I was just opening my mouth to make a joke about people who measure <laughs> their kids' ages in months. Okay. And then you said 19 months. <laughs> After two years, it's ridiculous. How old is your kid? My kid is 67 months. Thank you. <laughs> I don't even know what that really is. Six? I don't know. Five. Five or six. Okay, so Cindy was reading to Frostin in his room. Like, they were in a rocking chair in one part of the room, and they were facing towards the closet. She noticed that Frostin wasn't paying attention to what she was reading. He was looking at something that was standing by his closet. No. His head would turn from side to side. Hard limit. Nope. And he would giggle. Bye. Oh, no. Goodbye. We're moving immediately. See ya. Then he pointed his finger and said, See, mother? I hate this child already. I just got more more chills. Mother. Mother. Uh, Cindy asked what he was seeing. And he replied, a girl. Uh, he tracked the girl to his desk, so like he was watching her, and then he watched her walk over to the desk, where a box of crayons were flung off the edge, landing a few feet away from the desk. Um, excuse me, that's rude. Those are not your crayons. <laughs> Why are you throwing other people's things around? It's not polite. And Mother, she threw my crayons. <laughs> See, mother? See? I'm sorry. I'm putting words in his mouth. <laughs> Oh, there, there's one note. Um, Chris is a doctor. Like, they moved 
to back to the, they moved to this town to be, for him to be the doctor of this town. So apparently because he's a doctor and he's the only doctor in town, he was on call a lot. So they slept in different bedrooms. And did, had, did he ever have to amputate the wrong leg while drunk at a party in his own home? No. Okay. <laughs> Luckily not. <laughs> the guy who died in my house was a doctor. Hmm. No, wait. Did I lie? No, yeah, he was. Okay. I don't know of what. Okay. He didn't die in the house, but he died in the backyard. That's why you got me confused because I was like, wait, no, it wasn't in the house. No, I know. We were just talking about it earlier. I will say though, like when I found that out and I had that weird cabinet in the basement, I was so certain I was going to like, when we put the snake camera in there, we were going to find jars filled with like body barns and organs and stuff. Ew. (laughs) I mean, that still might be in there because we couldn't access part of it, but you know, (laughs) I don't know that for sure. So I can pretend it's not there. Anyways, moving on. So one night, Chris felt what he thought was Frostin climbing onto his bed. I really thought you were going to say he felt what felt like frostbite. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, When he reached out to his son, there was nothing there and nothing when the light was turned on. And um, he went to check on Frostin and Frostin was sound asleep in his bed. Of course he was. Now, these... These accounts I'm saying of the ghosts, they're like over several years. So it's not like Frostin's like two years old. He's now 22. Sound asleep in his own bed. I don't know. It was before Deborah was born, but... That Where do happen. I know that name from? It's been irritating me. I Blanche think- Devereaux. Do you know who that is? Um, no. Golden Girls. Oh, I think that was her name, right? I don't know. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. Blanche Dubois? I don't know. I don't know. I definitely know Devereaux from somewhere, though. They said... Like, as a last name. Okay. Not for her last name, but I think it's the name of a town or something. They Wisconsin? They named her after a place that they like to visit. <laughs> I mean, allegedly, Surrey Cruz is named after Syracuse. Sure. That was the, I mean, that's what the tabloids said. Because they're um, always telling the truth. Aren't they? <laughs> Why do you sound sarcastic when you say that? They're, the, the, it's the best pieces of investigative journalism you're ever going to find. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to the ghosts. The next one to show himself was Dr. McBride. The man himself, did he have caviar with him? No. Was he holding a amputated leg in one hand and a glass of champagne in the other? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm going to hell. I'm terrible. No. <laughs> Come on, though. Visualize it. It's hilarious. <laughs> with a little bow tie. <laughs> Maybe a monocle. Yeah. And a top hat. You guys, I promise I'm sober. I'm just really tired. <laughs> yes, and a top hat. Yes. He does have a top hat. Yes. No, really? He, really, he does? Yeah, really. He oh, does. my God. That's great. <laughs> so, uh, Frostin was about four, and he came to Cindy and asked, Mother. Oh, my God. I hate this child. <laughs> who is the man that walked down the stairs and went into the bathroom? 
No! No, not the bathroom. Of all, listen, of all the sacred rooms that could be in a house, the bat, like, leave the bathroom alone because I don't want to be naked in the shower and have to worry about some spirit popping their head in. And I don't want to be sitting on the toilet for 20 minutes playing words with friends and have to worry about a spirit popping their head in. <laughs> that might help you, though. Uh, Cindy asked what the man looked like, and um, Frostin described him as very tall, dressed in a black suit, a really tall hat, a funny tie, a white shirt, and brown hair. A funny tie? Is that a bow tie? Uh, Probably a bow tie. So Cindy decided to go see who it was. Because that's what you do in the late 80s. I mean, the 80s were a different time. I would, though, wouldn't you? Like, if one of your kids, you have kids. If one of your kids said they saw somebody, well, you probably book it out the front door, right? I would say, what's the quickest exit? Let's get out of this place. (laughs) You almost had the fuck. You almost cursed. I saw it. I saw it. Um, See, I probably would be like... How dare you? I'm going to find you and I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Or I'd like find my BB gun and like go (laughs) search the house. I'd grab my Kate Bishop and load up an arrow and just let it go. If I had one. I would. I probably <laughs> wouldn't because it's right by the door. So at that point, I may as well just leave. Yeah. I'd probably get a knife. <laughs> I have knives all over. I'd probably grab a knife. <laughs> or a blunt instrument. Uh, so Cindy decided to go see who it was. Uh, when she opened the bathroom door, no one was there. But the faucet she had left running so the pipes wouldn't freeze on the cold winter day was shut off. Later, Cindy recognized the description as Dr. McBride, so like later she like did some research on the house, I guess, or the family or whatever. She's like, Oh, that's the guy Frostbite described to me. And you know, he probably was like, Why is this faucet running? This is such a waste of water. Exactly. I'm turning it off. Although I feel like he probably wasn't that like ecologically conscious. In 1793. <laughs> I don't... Not, what is it? Is it 1918? What year? What the year house was live? built in 1895. Okay. <laughs> so when Cindy told Chris about it, he recounted an encounter he had with Dr. McBride about a year earlier. He was in the gold bedroom because each bedroom has its own color and they call it by its color. Is it gold-plated or solid? I'm assuming it's just dusted. Is it edible? I hope not. It's a bedroom. (laughs) No, the gold. (laughs) (laughs) He was in the gold bedroom looking for something when he turned to leave, and the doctor was blocking the door. (gasps) No! Transparent at first, and then more solid, like what his son saw. He was determined not to be scared, so he stared at him until 
In Chris's words, he vaporized and vanished. I will say those things sound scary, but the figures that I have seen, I've never been afraid. I've been startled Mm -hmm. because you don't expect someone to be there. Like there shouldn't be somebody there. So you startle. Yeah, it's just like when you see a normal person like lurking in your doorway and you're like, Yeah, like, what what? what are you doing? (laughs) So, well, I just wanted to point that out because like prior to my experiences, I'd probably hear something like that and be like, what do you mean? How do you try not to be scared? That's terrifying. Oh my God, there's Mm -hmm. a guy there. But it's like, it's not as difficult as it sounds. Yeah. So throughout the day, that day, Cindy checked the bathroom a couple times and every time she checked the bathroom the faucet was off and she'd turn it back on and she'd turn it back on every time so when they went to bed the pi- the faucet got turned off and their pipes burst that night <gasps> so what a dick bad dr mcbride so, and this is something that they've done before without a problem um i don't know if they sp- uh, I would think so, because they had been there for, like, three years by that time. Yeah, I would think they would have. I don't know. I've only had to leave my water running a couple of times in the 15 years that I've lived in the house I've been in, so I don't know. (laughs) What state are they in? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. It doesn't get that cold in Oklahoma, does it? I don't know. Because they said it was unusually cold that winter. So okay. maybe it was... Well, because I'm wondering if it's something that they don't do regularly. Maybe there's um, something wrong with, like, the stopper in the faucet. And, oh, like, the the possibly. faucets tend to, like... I don't know what kind of faucet they have. But if it's, like, the twisty kinds, mm-hmm. like, with the two knobs, they might be loose enough where they rotate back until they shut off. Maybe. So about six months after the faucet pipe bursting incident... Or maybe maybe even a year later, they started hearing what sounded like parties at 2 a.m. Talking, laughing, the pocket doors to the parlor sliding back and forth, the sound of glasses clinking, and um, when they would come down the stairs, they'd hit the second floor landing and the sounds would all stop. Something about the second floor landing that just like... It's, that's like a trigger point. Either going well, up or down. I'm they, picturing like, you know, like throwing a secret part, party like downstairs and the mom and dad come down to like check what's going on and you just like freeze. <laughs> and when they started trying to renovate, do renovations on the house. Oh no, game over. Um, they started with the exterior of the house because the interior was like okay when they moved in. The exterior is what really needed the work. It seemed as if the doctor was keeping watch over and inspecting the work and materials that were going into this renovation and stuff. Because ladders would shake violently while workmen were on them with no apparent source. They would hear boxes of nails and heavy boards falling behind them. When they turn around and look, nothing would be out of place. Mm -hmm. Tools would vanish and turn up in odd places. Uh, One specific incident was with the painter. He laid out 12 paint filters, so I think they were using like the um, spray gun paint Mm -hmm. whatever thing. So he laid out 12 filters for that. He put one into the machine 
and, you know, started painting the front of the house that, like, is under the porch, I guess. Like, you stand on the porch, Mm -hmm. part of the house that's there. When he finished with that part of the house and turned around to get another filter, they were all gone. (laughs) All of them? All of them. Oh. I was expecting for you to be like, two are missing. They turned up at his own house. (gasps) Inside the dishwasher. Oh my god, what? Exactly. He was really like, you're not painting my house. (laughs) And, like, another thing with the painters is, like, the machine would stop working when they were on one specific side of the house. Like, they'd move the machine to the other, around the corner, Mm -hmm. it'd start working fine. They'd move it back, it'd stop working. So one side of the house, they had to paint manually without the machine. A loose plug? But, like, it was like any side of the house. Oh, like, just far. But maybe, like, there, that was the closest outlet, but it was just far enough that, like, if they pulled just right, it loosened up. Maybe. And then walked back, and there was enough slack for it to. I don't know. Yeah, I'm always, I mean, I'm always going to try to explain, like, with the paint filter thing, like, did he really bring them and lay them all out? Or did he leave them at home in the dishwasher? Why would they be in the dishwasher? How else do you clean them? Or were they one-time use? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, but there was a note in there that, like, he would never put them in the dishwasher. His wife would get really angry at him. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's different. When you said there was a note in there, I was like, there was a note in the dishwasher with a filter? McBride left a note? Like, here's your filters back, douchebag, don't paint my house. No. So That's crazy. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm chills again. The next... um, ghost to appear is the Victorian lady. So Cindy was going to bed one night and as she turned to turn off the bedside light, she saw a woman in her doorway. Mm -mm. She was pretty with brown hair pulled into a bun and she was wearing a gauzy white dress with a pleated bodice, puffy sleeves with a wide cuff and a full flowing skirt. She motioned for Cindy to follow her and when she tried Two, she found that she was frozen and she couldn't move a muscle. Cindy said it was as if heavy weights were pressing down on her. And I was wondering about maybe that was sleep paralysis. That was my, yeah. I was waiting for an opening. That was my very first thought. Because even though she, like, thought she was awake, maybe she wasn't, like, maybe she woke up and then, I don't know. Because I think she was reading in bed. I think that's what it said. She, I mean, easily could have dozed mm-hmm. um, and been in that even like like that that weird kind of hazy state in between when you're in between. Mm-hmm. You're not quite asleep, but you're not quite awake. Then the Victorian lady disappeared, leaving the smell of floral perfume behind. Cute. And I... Also, she is most often seen around the kids, the the living kids, because there's some ghost kids. Of course there is. Well, you already said a little girl. Yeah. There's one more. Oh, cute. Does, does he or she also say mother? There's a ghost child? Yeah. No. <laughs> That's just the living child. 
That kid is creepy. I'm sorry. And I, mean, I mean, he's like our age, right? Or a little bit older. Hopefully he's not listening to us. And yeah. like, he is a little I'm bit older. I'm not creepy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm judging you solely based on your name and your proclivity. That word. Proclivity? Proclivity. Get the first one. Proclivity? Your proclivity to say mother. I wonder if he still says mother. Or does he just say mom now? Like, did he grow out of that? Was that just a phase? I don't know. But um, in what I read about the Victorian lady, it made me feel like she was like a nanny or something. Like, that's what it came across Mm -hmm. as and what the information I was getting. But... Cindy said she thinks she was a nurse from the um, Fort Hospital that's across the street. Oh, cute. I was going to say a nurse from the amputation surgeries done on the second floor. No. No, there were no nurses there. No, there We wasn't. don't need no stinking nurses. That's why you do need nurses. We've got champagne. Drink up. <laughs> Okay, so the next ghost is the little boy. And that he showed up about six years after they moved in. That's when they started seeing him. And he's often seen with the little girl. Construction workers rebuilding the porch were the first to see the little boy. Like they, I think he was heard playing with a bouncing a ball around before that, but. The construction workers were the first ones to see him. They also saw the little girl and the Victorian lady. All of them looking out the windows at them while they were working. No! And the boy was holding a ball. (laughs) And they were only seen when the family was away from the house. No! It's like you're just, like, blow after blow. Like, but wait, there's more. But wait, there, it's like every squeal. You're like, here's another one. Here's yep. another one. Just like, my back is going to start spasming from, like, <laughs> tensing up. Uh, they would also hear a ball bouncing and giggling on the porch near where they were working. <laughs> when Devereaux was three... Four year, about four years after the renovations began, she came to her mom and said, there's a boy playing in my room. Nope. She asked who he was, like she asked the little boy who he was, but got no answer from him. But when she told him to leave, he said no. That's rude. You were asked nicely. Told nicely? When Cindy went to check, she paused on the second landing of the stairs and could hear the toys and a child humming but by the time she got to Devereaux's room everything was back to normal not long after he would start playing with Devereaux's toys at all hours especially the ones that lit up and made noise (laughs) his favorite was a Rudolph toy I remember these toys did it walk? The little, yeah, the, the little. I had one of those. The little Rudolph that like has the plastic skeleton and yeah, the fuzzy the, outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that. Uh, yeah, I had one of 
those too. I think my cousin had one, but yeah, I remember these things because this is like right around yeah, our time. Were like, yeah, the 80s. It makes sense though because that little kid probably didn't have toys like that. Like he's probably yeah. from like years and years and years. So he probably is like fascinated. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you have that? Well, I didn't have this. What's this do? Wow, this is so cool. <laughs> it's 3 a.m. Go to sleep. Exactly. Um, when Ru- Rudolph was removed from Devereaux's room, he would stop, but would play again when put back <laughs> in Devereaux's room, even without batteries. Cute. Can I throw in a quick tidbit? I just IMDb'd Golden Girls, and it is Blanche Devereaux. Oh. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Although, I think... No, wait. When was she born? 1980. I mean, 1990. Devereaux was 1990-ish. Yeah, Golden Girls was on then. I'm not saying that's where she's named from, but... No, they did... She Cindy did say in the book, but I just don't remember where exactly. It was... I'm pretty sure it was the name of a town. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. Like, I'm not... I'm not trying to... I just think it's... Golden Girls was on at that time. I just think it's a fun coincidence. Um, Even Devereaux's friends would see the little boy and would play with him, thinking he was just a boy that lived there. I'm sorry, I'm not making noise because I was too busy choking on my tongue and my (laughs) eyes were bugging out. Yeah, they really were. Oh my God. Okay, so that's. Let's go to Devereaux's house and play with the boy again. Her brother? No, not her brother, the other boy. Um, that's almost exactly what, like, a situation that Cindy, like, described. Oh, like, God. Devereaux had a playmate over. They were, um, playing upstairs. They wanted a snack. Devereaux went down to get a snack. The other girl stayed in Devereaux's room. Cindy went to check on her, say, is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm just playing with the boy that lives here. And she's like, Frostin? It's like, no, silly, he's at school. Silly grown-ups, don't you know anything? I'm sorry. Silly mother, don't you know anything? Your son is at school. I'm playing with the ghost boy. The other boy that lives here. Jesus. I cannot, like, what would you do if that was your kid telling you this? Oh, my God. I don't know. Ah... Okay, so there's just a little bit more. This was an interesting account from someone outside the family that is in related in this book. Um, Cindy uh, hired someone to help her decorate the house for Christmas. I guess they do like a parade of homes type deal mm-hmm. thing where they like go all out decorate every single room Mm -hmm. to the nines. So her name was Ellen. So Ellen was helping Cindy decorate, and then Cindy had to go pick up the kids from school. Ellen stayed at the house, and she was going to have, just take a little break, have some tea. When Cindy got back, Ellen was freaking out on the front porch. She told Cindy she was in the kitchen when she heard a child calling Mama. She looked through the house, found no one. She went back to the kitchen and then heard one of the snow globes start playing music from the foyer. Thinking Cindy was back with the kids, she headed that way, walking through the dining room, and froze. 
In the parlor, there was a little boy about four and a little girl about eight standing side by side, staring at Ellen with teasing, icy cold eyes. Then, to torment her, the boy dropped his red rubber ball and bounced it on the hardwood floor once before catching it in his small hands. She screamed and ran out of the house. I don't understand how she thought these children were like demonic or anything. Like any of the other accounts of these children, they don't seem like icy well, cold stare. No. Well, a lot of people confuse demonic. So there's, you know, I don't want to say ultra religious people, but maybe people who skew, who like want to be religious, but kind of like skew. So it's like everything that's unknown is evil mm-hmm. type of deal. And, you know, well, it's the spirit and it's unnatural. It must be evil. The devil sent it. Like, I don't know what kind of person she was, but I mean, it could have been that sort of mentality Mm -hmm. of just, it's the unknown. It's bad. Well, my mind went to, does she really like hate children? (laughs) Like, could be that too. Do they freak her out that much that seeing two children? Well, I mean, of all the things... (laughs) Ghost kids are probably this. Thank God I have not encountered one. Have I? No. I definitely haven't seen one. The day that I do, I'm probably going to piss myself. <laughs> like, they're creepy. They just want to have a friend. I know. But they're... I'm sorry. Y'all are creepy. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just Come felt like Come play with her... us forever and ever. You're creepy. <laughs> Shining children. Yeah, I just thought that account was a little, like, huh? Extreme. Yeah. And then there's one last thing. The poltergeist. Yes. This is where I really wish you would say how old Devereaux is because, yeah, poltergeist. Mm -hmm. Adolescent girl. Yeah. I mean, she seems close to that, right? Age by what we'll talk about here, but mm-hmm. I'm not positive because... And there's no year or anything. In no. There, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she just keeps going on and like, and then this happened and this happened and this happened. Mid-January one year, Cindy found a gingerbread ornament from the Christmas tree uh, that didn't get packed up. She put it on a side table in the dining room, and that night during dinner, the whole family saw it fly over their heads and slam into the dining room doors. What? Somebody does not like gingerbread men. Apparently. Jeez. Or there was not, maybe there was some not good conversation going on at the dinner table. And they're just like, shut up, bring out the caviar. (laughs) A few days later, Devereaux and Cindy were in the kitchen talking about school when a drinking glass flew out of the cupboard and smashed into tiny pieces, narrowly missing Devereaux. Wow. This made Cindy mad, and she basically told the spirit to stop. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, don't do this stuff anymore. I didn't like that. And a plate flew off the counter and smashed onto the floor by Cindy and Devereaux. This made Cindy even angrier, and she told the spirit to leave. They were not welcome anymore. She and Devereaux felt something brush past them as soon as Cindy had stopped speaking. A few minutes later, they heard doors slamming and things falling from upstairs. That legit sounds like a teenage girl, like, ugh, and storming out and throwing a tantrum. Yep. Wow. (laughs) 
<laughs> wow. A few days later, the parlor started to smell really bad. No. Like sulfur and bad meat. Dirty feet, stinky cheese, oh. or decaying, something decaying. Yeah. And then the alcove upstairs also started to smell the same. They could never find the source or get rid of the smell. It was that rotting leg. Oh my gosh. <laughs> See, it all comes full circle. <laughs> it, it ling- the smell lingered around for days until oh. it disappeared on its own. Like, they tried everything to get rid of it. I mean, honestly, it could have been an animal in the wall. But two places? Depending on where it was, maybe it traveled some a certain way. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't In say... In the drafty Victorian airflow house. <laughs> and then... I'm just saying that's what it could be. Yes. Uh, one night, Chris was home alone. I think Cindy... <laughs> Cindy and the kids were visiting her mom. And... Uh, he was alone in his bedroom, and he heard what he thought was the cat, like, getting, like, that he was injured or something. Um, he Aww. opened the door, and the cat and the dog were, like, running up the stairs. <gasps> they were both downstairs, and they, like, came running because they heard the noise, too, apparently, or something. Aww. Or, okay, hold on. Alternate theory. Because I have two cats. The cat. The dog was chasing the cat. And I oftentimes hear a, a like, heart-wrenching, gut-twisting yowl mm-hmm. from somewhere. And I'm certain that one of my cats has just died <laughs> violently. And I'll go looking for them, and all of a sudden, one's chasing the other on a rampage through the house. And, like, they're totally fine. Yeah. But it just, like, they were fighting, or not even fighting, they were playing, and they got too rough or something. Mm -hmm. And one of them, it's usually Helena, screams out because she picks fights that she can't finish, (laughs) and Henry's got, like, four pounds on her, so he just has to sit on her. And, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it it could have been them. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, the cat and the dog were both running up the stairs. The dog's chasing the cat. Yeah. I mean, the the dog was also barking. I don't know if the dogs usually bark when they chase cats. Sure, why not? (laughs) I don't know. Um, But Chris determined that the the animals were fine, and he turned to go back to, to bed. That's when he put his hand in something slimy on his door. It had no color or odor, evaporated when touched. It had a foamy consistency, and it covered the door completely. Ew. Yeah. Soap? I don't... It said it was alcohol-based in the book, but, like, how would he know that? That's what I want to know. If they somehow got a sample of it and had it tested. But it seemed like he just, like, knew by touching it that it was alcohol-based. But, I mean, he is a doctor, but would he know that? What kind of doctor is he? Like a general care practitioner kind of doctor, I think. I mean, I don't know doctor science, but <laughs> I would, my guess would be no, but I don't know. Do we have any doctors listening? Like medical doctors? I, I don't know. Uh, by the description, it made me think of hand sanitizer. <laughs> but hand sanitizer yeah, but hand has... Sanitizer has fo- well, there's the foaming kind now. Yeah, but, I but mean, it has an odor. 
Yeah. Even like Even, odorless has an odor. Yeah, and he's saying it's alcohol based, but there was no odor. But if it's alcohol based, wouldn't you smell alcohol? Yeah, because that's kind of distinct. Unless that's how he determined it's alcohol based, but then you can't say there was no odor. Yeah. I don't know. But it's, yeah. Um, I mean, that's not even getting to the, how did it get there? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like what it sounds like, it was like the entire door, like top to bottom, side to side, like thickly on there. Ghost splooge. Ew. Ew. Why did they say why they finally moved just because they couldn't keep the, the workers to, for the upkeep? I'm, it. Cause 25 years is a long time to go through all that. And then just I know. Up. I think they were still living there when she published the book. But now, 10 years after the book has been published, oh. they no longer live there. So I didn't get to the end of the book. Oh, so that's right. So, so I don't know. I mean, I kind of skimmed through the, the last quarter of the book, but mm-hmm. I didn't like catch anything too like significant. But, you know, but at the time she was writing the book... Frosten had gone off to college, and Devereux was in high school. So, that's some crazy shit, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and uh, it's an interesting read if you're interested. What was the name of it again? Uh, the book is called "Ghosts of the McBride House," and the author is Cecilia Back, not Black, because when I googled stuff, one of the places said Black, and I'm like, wait, what? And I I've- had to look at the book. At first, I thought you were saying Beck. Oh. But it's back, like you're back. Yeah. With an A. Sorry. If no. I was not enunciating. No, I got it after a few minutes. But it, like, because that's not a common last name. Beck oh, is, though. Yes. So that's my brain automatically just reverted to Beck. And if you guys Google, well, you said you had pictures, right? Yeah, I have some pictures. Um, but if you Google McBride House images, uh, it's the third one across, um, or the one that's two down and two over. And it's kind of, it has potential for sure. It's nice. It's so. big and it's, it was nice I at wonder, one point. That's not what it looks who, like now. I wonder who owns it now. It's, or is it abandoned? I think it does have an owner. I don't know if it was abandoned. I think it was abandoned for a little while, but I think it has an owner now. Oh, so I'm like, I don't know. Would I live in Oklahoma? <laughs> oh, Oklahoma, where the wind, da, 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 da. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. That was a lot. Thank you. Yeah, it was. Uh, if you guys haven't yet, we posted a, our bonus episode, our very first bonus episode last week uh, with uh, viewer mail. Yes. Featured a few stories from you guys. If you have your own viewer mail, your own ghost story, your own experience that you'd like us to read out, you can email it to us at myfavoritehaunting at gmail.com or DM us on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. They're all open. You can send whatever you want. Just don't send porn because I'll report you. Like, no qualms. Um, (laughs) I'll laugh and then I'll report you and then I'll probably laugh some more. Um, But... Yeah, and then if you haven't yet, join our Facebook group. It's my favorite haunted group. Uh, that I don't know. Should we change that soon to like the Paranormies? Because hmm. that's what y'all are known as now. You have an official name. You're the Paranormies. 
maybe or put it in parentheses afterward and we'll do something we'll do something for sure um yeah so that's it thanks for potting with us thanks Hey guys, it's Ames. Okay, so first of all, excuse the sound quality. I'm not using a microphone. I'm just recording directly into my laptop. Second, Mel is going to kill me when or, you know, if she ever finds out I did this. But um, as most of you know, if you've been listening to us for a while, she doesn't really curse. And sometimes I give her shit about it and it's all in good fun. But here's an outtake from today's episode with Mel cursing physical proof that she actually does curse every once in a while. Enjoy. Mid-January one year, Cindy found... <laughs> you just curse? Oh my god, she just said shit. She just said shit. Oh my god. Oh, I wonder if the mic picked that up. Oh, I'm gonna have to like save it and loop it. Like I'll separate no. it out and put it on a loop. Don't do that. I'm gonna play it for your kids when they're 18. I caught your mom cursing.